Welcome to Off the Rip with your hosts that front like they know the most. We talking smack about whoever and whatever is currently on our minds. We ain't no experts, so don't get hurt if we say something that rubs you the wrong way. This is a place where ideas get thrown out and tossed around. If you can't take the heat, get up out the kitchen. We about to serve them up. It's Reem D, Mook, and Shiz. Off the Rip. Nothing in common. Nothing to say, nothing to comment. All right, so that has been our entertainment for the week. Let's talk about stuff that's a little more serious. Um, We have a bevy of topics that have to do with Black and the culture this week. Uh, First, we can start with Aunt Jemima. Anybody familiar with Aunt Jemima? Yep. Talking about the syrup? Yeah, the syrup. (laughs) Talk about the syrup. Yeah, so Aunt Jemima uh, was a mascot or a figure or a, a model that was used for um, syrup and, and other breakfast items. I don't know, pancakes maybe? I don't know. Yeah, pancakes. And so clearly the, the image is of a uh, mammy, which is a stereotype of a black portly woman. And uh, that comes from, again, slavery, racist times. And with all this new hoopla this year about people and companies specifically trying to be social justice companies or be uh, aware or politically correct, there's been a lot of revision on how these companies are coming out and marketing to um, us consumers. And with Aunt Jemima, they've finally decided that the image that has been racist for so long was finally too racist. So they decided to change it. And they changed it from Aunt Jemima to the Pearl Milling Company. The brand is owned by PepsiCo, and it was around for 131 years. Wow. So shit is nuts. Yeah. Since 1888. Right. And uh, the family uh, of the models, there's two models who were used for the Aunt Jemima image. And those families, they don't, they, they would rather have their the people who modeled those their ancestors whoever their relatives were their older relatives were who were those models they want them to be honored now on the on the uh, branding or with the company instead of just being monetarily compensated because that image helped build that brand so instead of using that image in a negative connotation the family's asking to be celebrated and uh, just to be remembered as a part of the history that built uh, such a staple um, in our breakfast lives. So I was wondering what y'all thought about that. It's funny because um, I don't know if I told you about this. I had an argument with somebody on Facebook. And, you know, you generally try to stay away from arguments on Facebook. But it was somebody had made a post about... Um, this was around the time that the Washington Redskins were Washington football team was changing their name from the Redskins. And then somebody was like, I don't get why we're changing the name of the Redskins now. I don't get how it's racist and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, this person was of a Caucasian descent. So they didn't understand what the problem is by calling a Native American person a Redskin. So I was like, obviously, you're just not understanding. So then the conversation got back to Aunt Jemima. He was like, I still call it Aunt Jemima. I was like, Aunt Jemima was, it's a racial stereotype. 
you know, off of like a black, you know, um, black, uh, black um, slave, enslaved um, mother. And we had like this whole back and forth and stuff like that. So you were, tr- I was trying to educate him as much as possible, but you know, when some people are so set in their ways, they're never going to change their mindset for this reason. So I was like, yo, it's Facebook. pretty much, exactly. So I was like, at this point, I'm literally arguing with the wall. So then other people even jump in in this conversation and they're trying to explain to him. And this person's like, I'm still going to do what I want to do. So I was like, you know what? There's no point of having this argument with me, with him, because obviously some people will never understand it from another person's perspective. I just thought it was funny that, you know, this has actually come out when we had this conversation at the time. So this was really relatively before the, the, um, the talks of uh, the uh, name change. And I think that's interesting, too, because people always ask, like, why is this happening now? But they're not asking, like, should this be happening at all? Mm. I feel like that's kind of the conversation is like, um, people are like, why are they changing the Redskins name now? Uh, why are they, you know, talking about Aunt Jemima now? But, you know, like that to me isn't as important as like, are these things racial stereotypes or are they, you know, bias or are they, you know, just hurtful to certain groups of people to the point where they should be changed? And I feel like that argument of like, well, what's the point of doing this now? What's the point of changing that now is like to take away from the point that we're bringing attention to this and that this is, you know, disrespectful. This is insensitive to certain groups. And, uh, you know, that's what we're focusing on. It's not that, oh, we're doing it in 2021. It's that, you know, Aunt Jemima, like this is a racist stereotype that's been around for, what was 131 years? And people just continue to look at it and think nothing of it. Like, so we're bringing attention to it now, but that's irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. Like, this is something that, people have been talking about for a while now and they're choosing to do something about it now but this issue has been going on for a long long time forever man cancel culture is a motherfucker too people being canceled so it's just like yo i need to get ahead of the curve you know i gotta put out something i gotta donate some money to you know support the black community so that this shit doesn't backfire on me i think a lot of it is could be you know just like this veil of you know let's just act like you know, we support a specific cause or a specific movement so that this doesn't affect us. Because because now it's about the bottom line or the red line or the profit line. Right. And the 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 community, the black community and the, the buying power is we spend the most money not within our community. And now it's getting to the point where if we organize, you know, we can cause a serious debt in some people's pockets if we decide that we're not going to spend our money there. Mm-hmm. And so now it's it's not just beneficial, it's cost necessary. Um, and just for some more history, the Anchamama name came from an 1875 song in a minstrel show where people were blackface, uh, had aprons on and bandana and headbands. Again, as Mook said, and as I said previously, coming from the Mammy stereotype, the Mammy being the, the servant um, who was inside the house, again, portly, large, not sexual, uh, so it wasn't seen as a threat to the to the white um, to the white wife of the master, and um, so the master wouldn't be sleeping around with that uh, black woman because she was not threatening. And so that's where you get that look of the mammy and Aunt Jemima. And also, um, you talk about that lip service that companies are doing. You said Pep- Pepsi has pledged five million to, of a commitment to support the black community. Pepsi also just got in trouble for that. Really, really tone deaf commercial that they had with Kendall Jenner when she was giving a Pepsi to um, a cop in riot gear to make it seem like 
we should come together for police brutality. I don't know what Pepsi was trying to say, but that was very tone deaf by Pepsi and Kendall Jenner. Um, also, uh, other companies are falling in line like Uncle Ben's Rice. Uh, Uncle Ben, that being, if you can imagine um, Samuel L. Jackson and Django uh, being the Uncle Tom, uh, that's that stereotype of the older, again, non-threatening, submissive, uh, weak black slave who was in the house there for the masters. And it's actually really interesting. Um, Saturday Night Live had a really funny skit about this. And Dave Chappelle was um, starring in this episode. And it was about <laughs> how uh, they were mad that they were getting fired. Um, yeah. after all this time and which is kind of the same sentiment that the family has about okay now you're just going to erase us completely and say that we weren't there it had anything to do with this history like you can't just put a blanket over this and say that it didn't happen that we weren't racist you need to acknowledge your history while also celebrating us and uh yeah, that just goes with integrity and we talk about Dave Chappelle again being on that episode and and recently uh Dave Chappelle someone who we talk about often he could be on our bingo Dave Chappelle also just got his Netflix show uh, back on back. I'm sorry, not his Netflix show. Dave Chappelle got the Chappelle show back onto Netflix. And now he's getting paid uh, retroactively for all of that. And so he's bringing it back to the platform. And uh, he released a, a video on Instagram where he came and thanked his bosses. And I think that's funny because when I say his bosses, he thanks the people. Mm. Uh, the way that Dave frames it is that uh, Dave doesn't work for any of those people. Dave works for the people. The people decide what is good and what is bad. The people decide what to spend their money on and what not to spend their money on. So he doesn't answer to anybody but us. And so Dave came forth and said, thank you. Because when he previously asked and what we previously covered that he wanted to get his show taken down from streaming platforms because he wasn't getting paid for it. People stopped watching it and, uh, the streaming network started listening. And again, is it because of lip services or is it because they know that there there's potential loss in money if they don't make Dave Chappelle happy? Yeah. Can't tell you either or. The fact is that it happened and I'm just glad that it happened. And that's a testament to Dave Chappelle's integrity. I see that he's still on um, HBO Max. Yeah. They, he's, well. they said they were going to take it down in a month or so. Oh, they're like, yeah, we're trying to get these we these these quarters before we take it down. <laughs> I make this bread. We're trying to get this bread. Yeah, we take it down, Dave. Hold on. Thank you. I, I hope that he comes up with the uh another sketch show. I it's mean, just funny how they gonna they're gonna wait, they're gonna take it down after Black History Month. Stay woke, fellas. <laughs> Stay ah, woke. You might be on something. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it down in March. <laughs> I mean, shout out to Dave, though. He continues to be a model for, you know, for how to do this whole business thing. And, you know, with his content and how he chooses to to put it out there and when he chooses to put it out there. Like, we, we've talked about it a couple of times, like Dee said, but shout out to how he's doing it, how he's handling it. Yeah, that 50 million that he walked away from 12 years ago, he's tripled that now. You think so? He, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Just along with Netflix, he has a $60 million deal. Shit. Well, and, and also, I don't know that he thought about it this far, but by walking away from a deal that big at that time, that was like monumental. And so it kind of created this like, whoa, why would he do something like that? What was going on? So when he came back, it kind of made it even a bigger deal. Like, Dave, please tell us why you walked away. Please tell us what was going on. So he kind of created this um, 
kind of allurement for himself that like, mm. well, he did this back then, like when 50 million was, what well, like, you know, like it just seems like, again, not that he planned all this out, but it definitely made it such a bigger deal that he did it the way he did it. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's leverage now. Mm-hmm. Like most people can threaten and bluff. Yo, I'll walk. Right, Dave really Chappelle's walk. like, no, I'll walk, walk. And I'll go to Africa. <laughs> walk to yeah, Africa. Y'all, see my, y'all see my track <laughs> record, see right? <laughs> right? Like, that's and, the uh, thing, too, because, like, yeah. during that time, my fault be, like, some of his, his own people were like, yo, this dude's crazy for doing that. But, like, he, he protected his creativity. He knew his worth at that time. Yeah, 50 million 12 years ago is not 50 million today. Either. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, he gets twenty million per Netflix release. I think he has had three specials. So yeah, so sixty million dollar Netflix deal. Respect. And then he's now he's getting paid. Oh, for five specials. Show. Never mind. He has five specials coming up on Netflix. So God. yeah, and now he's getting <laughs> paid for bag, the bag, Dave. Yo, he yeah. is getting the bag. bag. Recoup that real quick. Recoup right. that. Real quick. But you see that he out in Ohio. He's like, yo, I'm done with Hollywood. Like, if y'all want to do anything, has COVID right now. I know, but still, like, he was just like, yo, if y'all want to do something. Come out here. Oh, yeah. No, he, he's he's making his own joint yeah. out in Ohio. Um, yep. People in general, the pandemic has messed up major cities. It's messed up LA, New York, all these yeah. places. Because people are like, why do I need to be there paying all these taxes? And if I don't get any of the benefits from being in a major city like this when it's shut down. That's a fact. So. so I mean, and side note, just real quick, that's affected like almost everything at this point like at the company i work at we recently just hired a clinician that lives in california and she is providing therapy services for our clients here in massachusetts and all because covid everything's on telehealth now like mm. you know we it allows the company to hire anywhere um we have because a, everything's online we have a counselor who's in minnesota right now in Minnesota since March. <laughs> since since March. And he's and still he's working, running right? running sessions. He's, he's running circles around the rest of us yeah. with his documentation. Yeah. His yeah. engagement. <laughs> he's the furthest Facts. away. But um <laughs> Reem, like the cool thing about it. Yeah. I mean, just like the whole work structure, like my dad and his company, they just got rid of they were like leasing a building, but they just got rid of the building and they're all they can all work from anywhere. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like it, I think we've talked about this, but it is going to be crazy to see what happens when things start to get back to whatever normal is, you know, like how companies adjust if uh, telehealth and online, you know, services and things like this working from home is going to be a thing, or if they're going to say, nah, you're going to come back to the office, you know, you're going to come back to, you know, whatever. It'll be interesting to see how, how companies respond. Personally, I think that that's going to be the new wave. Companies yeah. are like, well, we can save money by having a lot of people work from home and maybe just have like a smaller, you know, a small, you can get a smaller building, like maybe an office front. I mean, depending on, obviously, depending on what your business is, but if they don't technically need to have a central workspace, yeah. what's the purpose of having a central workspace? And then in return, that could, you know, that could go into people's salaries and stuff. Like, why do I have to pay for a centralized location when I could just use that money? to pay more people. All right, let's get back yeah. on topic. <laughs> great. Off the rip thought. Great, great off the rip segment, that. <laughs> So since we're talking about figures of the culture, uh, it is Black History Month. And we decided that we we're going to do an off the rip highlight of some Black History figures that we wanted to share uh, with y'all. 
uh, who've impacted our lives or who we just want to put a spotlight on. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll start off. Um, so, so the person that I wanted to highlight this week is uh, a more local figure. It was a professor of mine at uh, Wheelock College at the time. Wheelock College now, what is it? A program under BU? Yep, or, uh, Boston University. Under BU. So uh, his name is Carlos Hoyt, um, and he's a licensed independent clinical social worker and has a PhD in in social work. Um, but the reason I wanted to bring him up is just because he he was the first black professor, black teacher that I remember having um, really in my entire life um, throughout my undergrad and throughout my master's program and even in high school. So he was really the first man of color that I saw teaching and educating. And then the fact that he was also a social worker um, just stood out to me so much more. Um, and, and the classes he taught uh, had to do around uh, racial inequalities around equity and inclusion um and then some you know some general like social work uh children and families topics um social dynamics things like that but really what stood out was just like it, him being a male in this field you know and, and just being able to see a black educator and he was somebody that definitely kind of stands out to me as far as just um a person that you know, was there to educate, really enjoyed talking to people, really enjoyed talking to students and trying to just push conversations. He was a great communicator and he was somebody, he is a great communicator. He's still around. Mm. Um, but he just, you know, he, he allowed us to have some really great conversations in, in school. And I really appreciated that part of my education, just being able to have somebody um, like that. And I think our class did too. And, you know, I, I, I hope to see more black educators. I hope to see more people of color, especially men, in roles where they're teaching and, and supporting youth. Um, but, but again, he was somebody that definitely had an impact on, on my life in terms of just being someone that, you know, not like I had a, a very close relationship with him, but somebody that I could look up to um, in mm. terms of my field and somebody that I had a lot of support from during my time um, at Wheelock. So I wanted to give a shout out to, to Dr. Hoyt. Um, I know he's still teaching at a couple different schools right now, but definitely somebody that um, I'm sure has impacted a lot of people, but, but for sure impacted me. My uh, person I chose um, is Warwick Dunn, um, NFL running back, uh, retired. I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame, but he was a very good running back for the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers, Falcons, and he played for somebody else. But what I really wanted to point out was he established the um, Homes for Holiday program and the Warwick Dunn um, charities. So the Homes for um, – um, holiday program is um, basically a program that allows um, pretty much first time um, single single um, family single parent families um, get housing and um, actually in one of his um, housing projects um, Deshaun Watson had grown up in so he um, he's done a lot of um, you know getting kids um, you know getting families in the Atlanta area um, households that I think that um he, uh, he needs his uh, roses for what he did uh, in that community down there. Word. Thanks. Um, I can go with mine. And I wanted to talk about, you know, I love superheroes. I'm a geek, comic book geek. And also it relates to uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we've been talking about. The next show that's going to come up after WandaVision is going to be The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Why I want to highlight the Falcon in Black History Month is because the Falcon um, is 
name being Sam Wilson, is a fictional superhero, and he is the first African-American superhero in mainstream comic books, right? Just to give you a brief description of the comic book character, uh, the superhero Falcon uses mechanical wings to fly and has a limited telepathic and empathetic control over birds. Uh, he shows up in Captain America, um, and then he uh, went on to have his own series, uh, and he was he was created by uh, Stan Lee, and Stan Lee is, if you don't know, he's the old dude that pops up in almost every superhero movie or every Marvel movie. He has a little cameo, um, and he came around in the late 1960s. Um, Stan Lee and Gene Collin. Uh, were the two co-creators of this character. Uh, both of them are white, but in the late 1960s, when the Vietnam War and civil rights protests were regular occurrences, uh, Stan Lee wanted to be at the forefront of things, and he wanted to bring these issues into comics. And uh, during the time, there was a lot of black exploitation comics going around too. And so they took that along with combining the current issues, and, and they brought them into Captain America. And so he was the first hero in mainstream comics, black hero in mainstream comics. Um, but then Luke Cage was the first black superhero to have his own series. Uh, I know I'm mentioning Luke Cage now, but uh, that's just that's just uh, a little tidbit of history for you right there on uh, black superheroes. And it ties in because we're going to be seeing him on Disney plus after WandaVision is done. And I'm really excited for that uh, series as well. There's a dope Super Bowl trailer for it. If anybody got to see that, but yeah, Sam Wilson, AKA the Falcon black history month. Boom, boom. I would like to bring Frederick Allen Hampton to this space, a black activist, a revolutionary socialist and a chairman of the Illinois chapter of the black Panther party. Man, I watched his movie yesterday, Judas and the Black Messiah. I encourage everybody to watch it. And it just kind of shows how J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI fucked with these revolutionary parties. They're evil. Evil people. Um, And what I didn't know was he was 21 years old when he passed away. The man was powerful. Um, so I really I, I just want to honor him, but I, I, I want to go into more detail when you guys watch the movie. Uh, but I just want to honor him in this space because it was just it was an amazing movie. Um, and they definitely deserve an, an Academy Award, an Oscar for the the soundtrack. Um, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Yeah, actually. Um, it's actually really funny. There's a person from my high school who worked on this movie. You know, I was always nice to him in high school. We was we was kind of boys, you know what I'm saying? So uh, he was, his name is Zeke Forrester, and he's listed as a post-production assistant on the movie. That's dope. And so when I was when I was looking at the credits, I was I had to do a double take, and then I went on Facebook and saw that that was actually, people were talking about it on Facebook too. So shout out to Zeke. Um, way to go. This movie's great. And Fred Hampton, um, Fred Hampton is... Again, because of because of his age and what he was doing, it's just like man, they, they just don't build people like that no more. Come building coming together with all the different gangs, 
going to the white people, going to the Puerto Rican. That's 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 what I, I don't want to spoil it for uh, those. That's that's beginning. you can look that up. That's not. Yeah, spoiling. yeah, yeah. No, that's but I'm just saying like, but even within the movie, like the fact that he was going to some of these like poor white communities and he was getting them on board. The dude was just bad. Like he was like, like bad. He understood he it bad. on like a he, different yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. He understood he just, it on a different level. He was the way prophetic. He just, exactly. Prophetic. The way he could just connect with anybody and everybody was just, it was amazing to see. And then that's why you, you know why they had to kill him. Exactly. That's why, that's why he was too dangerous to keep alive. 99 shots fired by the cops. One defensive shot fired from the Black Panther Party on the night that he died. The night that he was assassinated. The night he was assassinated. Yeah. Yes, that's great that was. Assassinate. And shout out to Hove and Nip too for making that song on the soundtrack. Facts. Shout out to everybody on that project. Yeah, really good soundtrack, as Rashawn said. Oh, yeah, homies on that drug list. All the family fuck up split. All the minds cut, rocked it. All that trying to look, love it. It's too late for you. It's too late for me.